0: Hi, everyone. I want to thank you for tuning in to The Encouraging Word. Um, This is just a disclaimer up front. We were having some audio difficulties throughout this podcast. So um, we just want to share that um, here at the front. Um, But also, there's a ton of content. Um, It shouldn't take away from the wonderful guests that we had and as we talked about the Rocky River Church history. So please continue to tune in. But just a disclaimer here at the front that we did have some audio difficulties. Thank you and enjoy.
1: Greetings, friends, and welcome back for another episode of The Encouraging Word. I'm here with uh, Stephen Young, our Director of Youth Ministries. My name's Paul Bennett, uh, one of the pastors here at Rocky River United Methodist Church, and excited to have you with us for another episode of our ongoing podcast. And uh, Stephen and I are not alone today. We have some special guests with us, and we're going to give you uh, a preview of of what we're about uh, during this episode. see. Uh, Stephen and I have been at this podcast for a few years now. Who would have ever thought it would have lasted that long, but uh, we keep plugging along. And one of the things uh, that's been on our heart for some time now has been to uh, commit some episodes to digging into the history of and uh, the the, uh, story, the early chapters, you might say, or at least earlier chapters of Rocky River United Methodist Church. Uh, I have been here at this church for a total of uh, not quite nine years. And Stephen, how many years have you you been here? Uh, Three. Stephen's been here three years. Uh, So, So, you know, Stephen and I have a collective uh, 12 years of knowledge about this church. And and seated in front of us, we have uh, two wonderful folks and members of this church who have a a collective, uh, I would say, closer to 100 to 120 years of (laughs) knowledge about this church. And uh, they're they're <laughs> they're grinning at me, um, but that's no reflection whatsoever are on, on their age. Years old. <laughs> they're, they're young young sprites and uh, wonderful wonderful folks. So we're we're blessed to have them with us today. So our purpose today is uh, to to interview these two fine folks and uh, give them an opportunity to share uh, some stories and some. Uh, information about uh, things that have occurred in the past here at the church, some of the highs, some of the lows, uh, some of the trends, and just uh, have some time to share. And uh, the purpose, of course, is not to you know, hone in on any individuals from the church or drag anybody through the mud, although uh, you know, the churches have their highs and lows, and, of course, we always have those things in the back of our minds, but we just want to get to know the, kind of the culture of the church, the history of the church, and some of the things it's, it's been through, good and bad. And get to to bring our listeners uh, perhaps some greater knowledge as well about the church uh, that you call home or a church uh, that is uh, home to your podcasters at the very least. So uh, it's my pleasure to introduce to you today uh, Mary Ellen Halleck and Jim Bolton seated across from me. And Stephen and I have uh, some questions. We're going to start firing them out and giving them a chance to to share a bit about Rocky River UMC. And the first uh, thing I want to do is simply... Uh, Give our our two interviewees a chance to say hi, and uh, we thought it'd be nice to kick things off by just uh, hearing a story. At uh, Rocky River UMC, it's all about the story, and uh, of course, Mary Ellen and Jim have their own unique story about their own lives and, and about their relationship with this church. So we thought uh, it'd be great to, to just uh, start in narrative form, give them a chance to each share a story of, of something that uh, is uh, special or something special about their experience and their time here at Rocky River. So I will uh, turn first to, to Mary Ellen. Jim is uh, the most uh, chivalrous uh, of, of uh, men, and he is already giving Mary Ellen an opportunity to to chime in first. So Mary Ellen, can you share a little bit, say hi to our our audience and then share a little bit, uh, maybe of a a story of something that uh, was special here to you.
2: Okay, Uh, this is a first for me. Uh, I've never done this before and I'm glad to be here and I'm feeling very comfortable with these two gentlemen across from me. Um, My story began when I was nine years old and moved back up here from the state of Tennessee. And, of two other Methodist churches on the west side to come to Rocky River my parents joined this church because of the music program and my mother and father were very into the arts and uh, this was important for them he also liked the pastor and that was important for them it was Dick Drake at the time mm-hmm. yeah and um, um, I did Sunday school and I don't remember a whole lot of like 9, 10, 11, 12, but then said I got into, it was called UMYF at the time, and um, active and, and uh, with Jim's daughters and um, his son, and um, my faith grew, uh, even in its early stages. Um, my faith was always very important to me. Uh, if somebody would ask me when I, my faith started, I can't tell you that, because I have always had it. Uh, My grandmother was very faith-filled and and practically a preacher in New York and That just obviously rubbed off for me on me Um, I was telling Stephen I was the president of the youth group and we did wonderful work camps, which this man can attest to (laughs) and um, It just every inch of the way grew my faith and I remember in 1973 I was a junior in high school And I remember asking uh, uh, Dr. Drake at the time, it was, this was before Dr. Hibbert came, I think. No, it wasn't. Well, anyway, I asked him what did I have to do to become a pastor in the United Methodist Church? Mm -hmm. And he told me and went to college after I graduated and that came in the back of my mind, way back in my mind and then it kind of as i joined the Stephen ministry team at fairview hospital it came alive again for me and then i became a chaplain after a bunch of more schooling Mm -hmm. and i love what i do but this church is responsible for that this church is responsible for who i am as a as a faith person and my faith growing and and it just i wouldn't want to be any other place it's just amazing
3: Okay. I'm Jim Bolton. I've been a member of this church since uh, late 1960. Uh, As an addendum, I want to have you understand that this is the church that my wife grew up in from the time she was an infant. Uh, Her father uh, always held important positions in this church and help mold it uh, and uh, what its policies were. My wife and I were married in 1954 and lived in Lakewood, but in 1960 we moved to Rocky River just before our youngest child was born. So we switched our membership from Lakewood Methodist, where my Parents had been members, and I had two, and uh, we switched over to Rocky River. Uh, We both became active immediately uh, in the church, particularly my wife. Uh, I had been ushering at the Lakewood Methodist Church, and I immediately became an usher here. I just retired officially (laughs) about the time that coronavirus hit, Uh, so I've had many years of escorting people up and down the aisle. Uh, I can remember as an usher when I was first here how much more formal we were. Mm. I was always dressed in a dark suit, white shirt, and each Sunday morning we received a fresh carnation to put in our lapel. Not only was I uh, dressed, everyone in the church Mm -hmm. was dressed up. All the men wore suits and white shirts, and as I recall way back when, a number of the ladies still wore hats. Mm -hmm. And the hat for a woman was a very important uh, apparel. (laughs) And uh, just as an aside, uh, my wife, I found out, uh, after I had just made this past move, had somewhere, what, in excess of over 50 hats that were still (laughs) up in the attic.
1: Oh, my. Wow.
3: There are many important things that have happened in the church, uh, and perhaps I should add a little perspective as to the way things used to be. At the time we joined this church, my wife immediately became a member of one of the groups, the Women's Society. Mm -hmm. And at that time, although the number escapes me, there were probably at least 350 to 400 women who were active Mm -hmm. in those groups. And I mean active. They met at least once a month and, of course, had special programs. Um, Mary Ellen, I know, remembers one when my wife happened to be the president of the Women's Society, and we put on quite a show with the brides. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Yes, I do, sir. Okay,
1: <laughs> with the with the brides. I want to hear well, more. Well, it's a
3: bridal fashion
2: show. A bridal oh. fashion
3: show, and uh, was very well attended and mm-hmm. a huge success. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I was sitting in the back watching <laughs> it all. <laughs> uh, but the church has changed, and the church must change whether it's a church or a business yes you have to keep up with what's going on right now there are just a few lingering remains of the women's society maybe a group or two i don't know what it is you might know mary about, Ellen.
2: about 20 people
3: 20 people as compared to 200 Uh, was made way more than that Uh, because I've got uh, all these uh, booklets that Mm -hmm. Dorothy had that lists all the names of all the ladies that was a different time Yeah. but uh, the church is as I said just kind of like a business you always have to be changing and you always have to be aware of what the parishioners are doing, where things are going. If you're two steps behind, you're going to find that your church is empty and you are no longer bringing to all the people the word of God because they have decided that they don't need it anymore. Or you are way out of step? Uh, I'm not sure how much yeah, more I no, can no, say. No,
0: those are that's great. That's a, a wonderful insight. And I don't know if Mary Ellen, if you want to just kind of talk to you about how the church has changed since you've been here as well. Is there anything that you want to add to that about the church changing? Because um, that, that was that was really great.
2: Um, I would say probably um, spiritually, faithfully. It has grown tremendously. Um, pastors have come and gone, um, and I've been—we've th- been through a lot of pastors, haven't we? <laughs> yes. Um, but I think now we have better and more programming that we have ever had at this church, and I think it's absolutely wonderful. If you walk in the doors of this church and you can't find something that appeals to you, You might as well crawl into a rock or something. I don't know, because we have so much I've never seen. I mean, I grew up teaching Sunday school. I've I've certified to teach disciple. I've taught classes and all. But just in the past, I don't know, five years maybe, the programming has just grown, and it's so wonderful, and there's so much available, and it is just it's absolutely amazing. Um, I work at night, so I don't get a whole lot of chance to participate anymore, but um, it's just...
1: The As we lost the, the last part of Mary Ellen's uh, sentence there, but she was sharing with us about uh, all the, the programming opportunities that exist here at the church now, and how much of a, a blessing that is, and how much that's grown over the years, so mm. thank you for, for that, and there certainly are... A number of opportunities. It's it's a treat every evening uh, when I'm when I'm here to to uh, pull in the parking lot and yeah. find nowhere to park. We were what a great problem to have, right? And that's because there's so many things going on. Um, but as we transition to a, another thought with a slightly different vibe here, I'm, I'm wondering. You know, every every church goes through highs and lows, and and of course, um, every church family sees individuals from the church family deal with with tragedies and disasters and and it's terrible to to watch somebody from your church family go through that but sometimes churches as a whole church families as a whole go through uh difficult times and stretches Uh, for example of course what comes to mind for me is the the uh the coronavirus the the pandemic we've been in the midst of and, and what a trying time it's been of course uh for for places all over society all over the world but uh here at the church it's It's been a a struggle. It's been a struggle trying to adapt and trying to continue to to experience community and and spiritually grow in the midst of this. But um, that's just been in the last couple of years. I wonder if we look back across 50 years, 60 years, are there there other times that stand out periods in the church, uh, in the life of the church that have been particular struggles uh, that you remember?
3: Uh, I can answer that question. One thing that I remember is relatively recent and that was when the proposal was made to add a major addition to the back of our church mm. uh, which would uh, of course provide a large room which could be used as a gym or could be used for special meetings could be used in a church service, uh, a multi-purpose room, plus plus plus. Uh, there were a number of people who were adamantly opposed to this addition and the fact that would we would be going into debt to pay for this addition. And there was no way that we were going to be able to pay it back or what negative influences it might have. Uh, A number of those people were some of the older members, uh, and uh, I personally was optimistic about it. Uh, It caused quite a dissension in our church. It was finally put to a vote, and it was agreed upon, and as if you will look back at the record, you will find that yes, we did concur a, occur a, a large debt, but through the generosity of our members, that debt was paid off long before it was due and it added a whole different dimension to our church, which we needed. It's now used in many, many ways. Uh, a perfect example is the basketball program, uh, which brings in literally hundreds of boys uh, from all over who have a very positive experience, and fun right here in our church. It's a way of our being able to reach those children. That's just one little example of its use. Okay? Yeah.
2: Okay. Um, The first thing that, when I read this question, the first thing came into my mind About 30 years ago, when we had three deaths very close together in this church, the first one of a 24-year-old man that we saw no reason why he should have died, of a church member, Um, and then six weeks later, one of the girls that was in my youth group was killed at the University of Toledo, This six weeks later. And then about four weeks after that, a young woman died of breast cancer of uh, another church member. And it was just like boom, boom, boom. Hmm. And the congregation was just like, oh, is it ever going to stop? Sherry and I have a joke that things happen in threes. You know what I mean? And yeah, one, two, three. But just the, the tragedy of it um and i was very close to the first family and very involved with that i was also pregnant at the time with my daughter and she was afraid to tell me um but um it just was it just hit our congregation but yet we came together as a church family we we came to the first family and what can we do and what food and all what all the things that you do and then with the the tragedy, one of our pastors immediately left for the University of Toledo to be with the parents and to figure out what was going to happen next. And that was one of the biggest funerals we've ever had at this church. Her, her whole sorority came. We had, we had um, the news media was out across the street. We wouldn't let them on the church grounds. And she was 19 years old, should have never happened. It just was... The funeral procession was so long that it was stalled back here because it was only going to lakewood park cemetery so it, it was just an amazing thing and um and then when Kara died, a young mother with breast cancer and just and the congregation was just kind of, "Are we done? Are we done with this can we can we?" Do something happy can we you know um but we pulled, i feel like we pulled together with a congregation i can remember the mom of the first one my friend and i went in the office and hung out watching all these detectives and people across the street and then the mom of the young woman the 19 year old that was killed came in and found us and said come and join the family in the parlor It was just, and everybody's worried about me because I was pregnant, but it was just amazing the way our church came together. And it still is amazing and wonderful to see our church come together in times of tragedy. And the other one is the coronavirus. Um, Since I work at a hospital, I was deep in the thrones of it. And I feel, and I've said this in public before, that our pastors Everybody just handled this so amazing. There's no course in seminary that I took that says, (laughs) here's what happens if disaster strikes. You don't get a Disaster Strikes 101 class, you know what I mean? Um, But we did what we had to do, we reacted to it, and I remember personally, remember, it was only three years ago, that I struggled because I missed my church. It's gonna make me cry. I missed the church building.
1: Yeah.
2: I missed being with all of you and working with you guys. But this has been my church since I was nine years old. And I just I said to Sherry, can I just come in and walk around?
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. Can I just do that? I just yeah. But again, you know, we pulled together, we helped people. We had a, a couple that lived in an apartment down there. He got put in the hospital with corner boys, Lynn Gordon, and I tag teamed her and helped her and a bunch and others. And it just, the way this, fa- this church, I can't speak for other churches because I've never been, but the way they come together is just a special, special thing. And that's, I think that's been part of the history of this church. And I think this man can agree with me that when tragedy strikes, we are we are right there for each other. You know, what can I do, and how can I help? Okay, and we, I mean, we've got a group of women in this church that will send a card if you sneeze. You know what I mean? They just,
3: <laughs> they, just they just, they just love to send
2: cards, and more power to them. They are also women. But um, those two things just, when I saw that question, just you know. Um, Reached out to me, I guess.
0: That's a that's a wonderful, wonderful response. Um, I and I think that's what you just shared there. You know, the tragedies are sad. You don't you necessarily don't seek the tragedies, but the tragedies do bring about the the coming together of the church, and that's what the church body is meant to be. And this is this is why I also tell the youth a lot that we're not meant to be Christians alone. We, we have oh. to be Christians. Like <laughs> I can't do this alone. Nope. Neither, none of us could do this alone. We need other believers other christians with us and and that camaraderie of coming together that that the spirit being spirit filled together is what um is really what it's all about that's what it means to be the hands and feet of christ is that when we all come together we have the spirit of god within us that's wonderful wonderful stories thank you so much for sharing these um what you just shared kind of a little bit leads into the next question i have is um is there any stories um, that you can share about why do you love Rocky River United Methodist Church or, or what makes Rocky River United Methodist Church unique? Um, you both had opportunities to go to different churches, experience different churches, but what's something about Rocky River um, itself that is unique or something that you've loved about Rocky
1: River?
2: Jim?
0: <coughs> <laughs>
3: well, again, I'll I'll go back to the um, the history uh, not only of myself but of my wife and her family that the church has always been a very important part of our life. Uh, It's not just a place you go to for uh, an hour or so on a Sunday morning. Uh, It becomes uh, an, an integral part of your life. Uh, and again, I would talk not only about my own experience, but that of my wife, who was so involved with the church and the church society and the choir. She sang in the choir for years and years. Uh, these are all very important aspects of your personal life. And uh, The other is, of course, your family and all the activities that your children are involved with and uh, to see the influence it has upon their lives and how it has influenced them as they've grown to become wonderful Christian people and families. I'm blessed with uh, lots of... uh, grandchildren and great-grandchildren, and it gives me great comfort to know how these, all these extended family members are being brought up in the belief of Christian values and the life of Christ and how important it is to remember God in your prayers every day.
2: When you say the word unique, I'm <laughs> I've i never been a part of any other church. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some summers where I will visit other churches because I like to see how they do things and, and Sometimes if Jeff our organist plays at another church, I go over there too. Um, so I know I'm kind of disturbed about the word unique, but um, it's just, as it's, it's Jim said, it's not just a place where you go for an hour on Sunday mornings. Um, people that do that are missing out on so much because we have so much to give and so much to offer. And it's not just the program, it's the spirituality and the way our leadership believes in a spirit filled and um, the way we just live our lives. And um, I don't know what I would do without this church. This church has made me who I am today. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing in life Or handling it the way I do. People ask me all the time how I do what I do. Well, it's because of this place. Largely because of this place. And because of my parents and my grandmother. And everybody that's contributed to my faith. I've had some amazing Sunday school teachers. And confirmation teachers. And pastors that have just been a part of that. And I will praise that after I die. even. And it just... Um But it's just not it's just not a place where you go for an hour on Sunday morning and I can't even imagine that. I can't even imagine that.
1: Well, you, you mentioned a, a couple minutes ago, Mary Ellen, about um, how quickly you felt distanced from and, and began to miss the building, uh, the church as, as a building during the coronavirus when we were not meeting in person for stretches and of course we all know the church is not a building uh we could probably all sing the song together now if we wanted to too but um but the church is not a building the church is is the people and you all have affirmed that a million times over but um just to perhaps maybe even just to to, uh, to pique my own interest here and and because it's fun to to learn these things. What has changed about the building of the church since you first began attending here? I know uh, in my time here there have been a few minor changes, uh, but I've always known that uh, there are three worship spaces. There's a there's a chapel, there's a sanctuary, there's a beacon hall where we do contemporary worship. I've known that uh, where, where the kitchens are where the uh, quote-unquote fellowship hall type uh, spaces are. But I've also picked up hints over the years that uh, everything as it is today is not exactly uh, how it was laid out or, or how things operated uh, years past. So mostly for my own entertainment value, but I know other people who are relatively new to the church and, and uh, don't know these things would be really interested by this too. What uh, what did things look like? How were, how were they different uh, 50 years ago when you first started attending here, as far as the the layouts, what has changed about the building itself?
2: Now we can tag team this one.
3: Well, I think I've already alluded to it in my previous remarks about the addition that has been made to our church. And uh, by adding that, you have automatically broadened the uh, different activities that you can have here whether it's the boys uh, for basketball or special music programs, uh, maybe using that facility in connection with uh, weddings or uh, funerals, uh, and uh, <laughs> that because then you will you'll be
2: tagged for life. Um, but it's been through many many changes and all for the good and yeah the biggest controversy we had in the early well 2000s to 2005 sort of when we were thinking about building this building with a much bigger price tag than it had originally um but it was we had people here and people there, and that's just the way it happens. And I can imagine that probably happens in any church that is going to do that and spend that kind of money. Um, but it has undergone a lot of, it used to be a house in the middle of the parking lot. That was where the custodian lived. Yeah, there was a house right out there.
3: And, and there was a great big oak tree. And a big, uh, no, a buckeye tree. A buckeye, buckeye tree. tree. My wife loved, and when they had to take yeah. that down, oh, she yes. cried.
2: Yes, we all did. Big buckeye tree. We used to send the kids out there to pick up the buckeyes and they'd come with bags and bags of buckeyes. And there was a playground out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was the other controversy about the building. It was gonna take up thirty parking spaces out of our parking uh, lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And remember that?
3: Yes, and they also had to negotiate for the land further at the far end of our parking lot yeah. that was added to the property already here. Uh, to help relieve uh, somewhat the parking, the parking problem because when this addition was put on, of course, there were many parking places yeah. that immediately disappeared. But
2: remember the, but where the garage is now? That was a factory. It was a boat factory. <laughs> you know, of course, you're near the lake. It was a big old factory. And that summer, when they built Beach Cliff over there, and they built the parking garage and they tore that down. Our custodian killed about 50 mice in this church because they were all displaced and homeless. So they decided to come in here and take residence. And Lonnie was always- That I, said, I didn't know. I said, why don't we just get a couple church cats and be done with it, you know? Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, that became the joke of the summer that we had these displaced mice. But anyway, lots of changes over the years yeah. and change is good. Yep.
0: Yeah. No, those are those, <laughs> those are really great stories. That would be, be funny if there was a cat ministry here because of all <laughs> the all <laughs> of the cats. Oh, uh, that that would be great. Um, as we wrap up here, I only have um, one last question, and um, it's a question about as you guys have shared, and I know there's just so much um, that you have to share, um, but we want to have um, give you time to share. What would you share to the next generation? Um, as as you say the church has changed um, physically but it's also changing as the people as well Um, so what what's what's something that you could you would want to leave to the next generation of Rocky River um, congregation as as the church continues to develop
3: I think we could look back on how this church has broadened itself Our ministry is not only here physically, but of course we took on the responsibility of an additional church and the people that lived in that neighborhood over uh, on West 65th Street, I guess it was, where Mm -hmm. that church belonged. Uh, We became very active in that. Uh, gathering all kinds of clothes and dishes and uh, items that could be used by the people in that neighborhood because most of the people that lived in that neighborhood uh, certainly uh, were not uh, able to have the type of lifestyle that most of our uh, parishioners have. It was very successful. Uh, We have now moved that to another area, uh, and I'm sure it will be just as successful. That adds a whole different dimension to our church, in my humble estimation. We have gone outside the physical uh, limitations of our church and established a center for people to not only get, uh, whether it's uh, silverware or dishes or for, uh, a winter coat or maybe some new underwear or things for their children, but a place where they see the influence of God in their life and uh, can perhaps help them through